Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Star Wars 7x7 episode 1247 today. Digging into Ryan Johnson's Facebook Q&A session this past week. And what are the little gems and details he revealed? I've got them right here for you. Punch it, Chewie. Hey, this is Matt Moore from Comics with Kenobi. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And this is an exciting new thing that the folks at Star Wars are doing. You know, live video stuff has been around for a few years. I mean, I was doing live video broadcasts from Celebration Anaheim back in April of 2015. So, you know, they were streaming some of the stuff from there as well on YouTube. It's not a, it's not a, new thing by any stretch, but the fact that the Lucasfilm folks are using it more readily now in their promotion for The Last Jedi is a rather exciting thing. I'm going to be talking today about the Facebook Q&A stuff that Ryan Johnson did, and tomorrow I'll be talking about the Twitter Q&A stuff. But as for today, it's Facebook and Charlton Golson. Golson? I'm sorry. Uh, my apologies, Charlton, if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Charlton is the Instagram Creative Programs Manager and was the person asking Ryan Johnson the questions for this Q&A session, which actually took place at Instagram headquarters in a nod to Ryan Johnson's prolific and very strong use of Instagram. And of course, you know, having Charlton who's an Instagram person be doing the interview, right? That's a more of a nod toward Instagram specific stuff. Anyway, so there were questions that Charlton had prepared and there were also a few questions thrown at Ryan from Facebook culled from the laundry list of questions that were thrown out there. And of course, Ryan manages to say things without saying things as it were, right? <laughs> but he did have a few interesting bits to share and those are the things I wanna share with you. The first thing I want to share is about his process in developing the story, and I think this is a really important one. It's one that he has shared in a couple of different ways in different mediums, but I think this is possibly the best answer you could hope to expect from anyone trying to tell a Star Wars story. Um, but you've said a bunch of times, and I think we saw a little in the featurette, that you know you wanted to explore the characters and what happens to them through their personal journeys, rather than like what sort of fills in the gaps left by... The Force Awakens. Um, can you give us an example or two of the kinds of things, those journeys that drove you with these characters? Yeah, I mean, the, um, you know, when I first, um, I was basically hired to do this uh, when they were just starting to shoot The Force Awakens. So I read the script before I saw any of the footage from The Force Awakens, and the first thing that grabbed me were the characters. And then when I started seeing the dailies of what J.J. was shooting with all the actors, um, those characters came to life, and so that was really the first thing that hooked me in were these characters and um, their amazing kind of... I, I, they were given such incredible introductions in The Force Awakens as brought to life by these actors. And so I started the, the writing process, um, you know, not by writing down, like, set pieces or 
Falcon space battle or stuff I wanted to see. I started just writing down all the names of the characters, and I thought, this is kind of the middle chapter, so our job here is to take each of them, kind of put them through the grinder, and really see what makes them tick. So you get to the end of the movie, you know more about them, and you're emotionally invested in them, so you're really going to care about where they end up at the end of all this. And then he responds to a Facebook question with a similar train of thought, and that one is here. I was really just trying to pick up where Force Awakens left off and figure out what's the natural line going forward from that. So, And once you start figuring that out, you start kind of finding a path, and it leads you in some surprising places. But I, I didn't come up with a preconceived kind of I want to get here or there. I was just literally like, okay, what do I know about these characters? What direction are they headed in? How did they get where they're at at the end of Force Awakens? And now let's very kind of... Let's follow that path and kind of really see where it leads us for each of them. So I hope it's a natural line line forward as opposed to, you know, something that tries to bend them to get someplace crazy or something. Now, I have said in the podcast that there might be a couple of caveats to the idea of Ryan Johnson having complete and utter free reign to create the story that he wanted to create for The Last Jedi, that there might be some marks that he had to hit as part of the process. Like, for example, revealing whatever the deal is with Rey's lineage, right? Whether she's a Skywalker, whether she's a Solo, whether she's a Kenobi, whether she's a nobody, like whatever the situation is that it was likely he would have to hit that mark somehow in the process of telling this story. And however he did it, it would have to be done in a meaningful way because it is such a huge question for everyone that however he's going to deliver the news, however it's going to be delivered to Ray, that it would be done in a way that isn't just, oh, and by the way, she's a Kenobi. Like, you know, not like that. But that being said, listening to his answer on this, I really get the feeling that he has considered the reveal specifically in the frame of pursuing putting characters through the grinder. And so I feel a lot more comfortable about the idea that even if he does have marks to hit, that he's considered them as part of the broader equation of putting the story together. So I think that's a really awesome thing to hear. And then there's another question about his means of working and whether he felt like he had to make changes to the way that he you know, did the work of filmmaking because of his own cinematic style versus the established cinematic style of Star Wars or anything like that. And I really like the nuance of his answer here. And I feel like I should qualify this by saying that I'm not listening to this and going, oh my gosh, everything he says is awesome. Although in this case, I did pretty much think that he nailed it on all counts. But, you know, I am listening for things and trying to be a detached, neutral observer and decide, well, does that sound right? Does that sound not right? Do I think that's a good opinion to have or not? Or, you know, how would I counter the opinion on something? And honestly, I'm not finding any flaws in his argument, even knowing that I have significant bias I'm probably walking around with. I'm doing my best to work around that bias, but I really like the answer about this. Did you feel you had to adjust your visual style at all um, to fit what had come before, either in not just The Force Awakens, but some of the other films as well? Yeah, that's a, good, that's a really good question. So my cinematographer, Steve Yedlin, we've been, I met him in the dorms at, in college. We've been best friends since we were, he was actually still in high school. We met on a student film set, and... Um, 
so we've been friends for a long time, working together for a while. And coming into this, uh, we rewatched Empire just for visual cues, for lighting, just because I still think it's the most beautiful of all the Star Wars movies. Um, but then we, uh, I kind of had, we kind of had to make a decision, or at least I did early on, at least in terms of how the camera moved and the camera angles, that I kind of decided, okay, I, I can't constantly be thinking of how do we imitate the style of either the original trilogy or The Force Awakens. I've got to, the same way that in telling the story and coming up with it and writing it, I had to personally engage with it. That's the only way I could, I couldn't feel like I was just doing what someone else would do. We had to do that with the visual style too. So, um, so we took some lighting cues and some visual cues from Empire. Obviously design-wise, there's a language that goes through all of these movies, but in terms of the camera, we really had to just get in there and do what do what felt right, do what you know, do what turned us on. Like that's what you always have to do in each shot, I think. So um, that's what we tried to do with this. <laughs> and so when he talks about visual cues and colors and that sort of thing, thinking about the possibility that he's extending that language to the rest of the movie itself is a really exciting thing. There was a a bit in the interview I talked about yesterday, the one about uh, the Storms of Crate story that's coming out that tells a little bit about Luke and Leia's history with Crate dating all the way back to In Between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And there was a line in there from, oh gosh, well, let me just dig it up here and give it to you. Here it is. Ben Blacker in an interview for Marvel's blog says that uh, about Crate, it's a really cool location. Visually, obviously, it's striking in a palette we haven't really seen in the Star Wars universe yet. I don't know if we can really talk about the color scheme as the reasons for the white planet with red beneath sort of play into our story. So that plays into the Storms of Crate one shot that's going to be coming out. But I like the fact that there is significance and purpose behind the color scheme for the movie not just Creighton specific, although this seems to reinforce that whole idea that they really are playing with color stuff. So we are going to have a whole host of things to interpret about The Last Jedi that go way beyond anything that we saw in The Force Awakens. That in itself is a very exciting notion too. Now, there were also a couple of fast facts shared, if you will. Uh, for example, they had a 110-day filming schedule, which was pretty expansive, and they created 125 sets, I believe is what he was checking with Ron Bergman, who was sitting in the audience, and it sounded like it was 125 sets that came back because he had to check with Ron about that. Uh, rather remarkable and one of the things that he'd said was different about doing the last jedi versus other movies that he's done were just the amount of resources that they had at their disposal and yet they did not want to necessarily rely too heavily on the fact that they could just you know they had it for all intents and purposes a blank check that's not the way he put it but you know when you've done comparatively independent movies like ryan johnson has done suddenly you get to do a big budget thing like that I mean, it must be like having mad money that you can say, well, we can do anything, right? And I think it sounds like his priorities are in the right place, not necessarily spending money just to spend money, but figuring, hey, there's a certain story we want to tell, and oh my gosh, it's going to be easier to tell this story because of the resources that we have at our disposal. It's also a hugely creature-heavy movie, according to Ryan via Neil Scanlon, who heads their uh, creature shop. 
It has more creatures in it than The Force Awakens and Rogue One combined, according to Neil. So that is also a pretty wild thing to consider. And though Ryan would not give us a number directly, he said that there are a, quote, ton of Porgs in the movie. He wouldn't say in the hundreds or in the thousands, but that they are all over the place. And that's pretty much the important stuff he said about The Last Jedi. However, they did ask him something about a Star Wars movie or set of movies that are not Last Jedi related. And I'm going to talk with you about that after the break. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Nissan and the Star Wars Droid Repair Bay Virtual Reality Experience. It's the official virtual reality story connected to The Last Jedi, powered by Nissan, created by the folks at ILM X-Lab. You get to repair BB-8 and his astromech friends so they can roll back into battle with First Order. You can find it at select Nissan dealerships by going to sw7x7.com slash DRB. Yeah, that stands for Droid Repair Bay. And scroll down the page a bit until you find the Droid Repair Bay experience. Once again, sw7x7.com slash DRB to find it near you. Welcome back. All right, so there was one non-Last Jedi question that was asked of Ryan. Well, <laughs> actually, there were a few others, but one Star Wars but non-Last Jedi specific question. It was about the new trilogy, and here is Charlton asking that question and Ryan's answer. I mean, right now I'm just at the beginning of the beginning of figuring it out, but that's the possibility of it, just like the open sky possibility of telling a new story with the canvas of three movies in this world. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm excited about everything uh, that's possible in that. So. All right, so if you want to start the speculation game early, then you could say that if he's feeling like there's infinite possibility based on his answers about The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and the characters and whatnot, that suggests that the new trilogy has absolutely nothing to do with the sequel trilogy and potentially nothing to do with anything in prequels or original trilogy either. Maybe we'll see some familiar locations, maybe we will encounter some familiar organizations, but as far as the characters go, and it really seems like he is all about character, it seems like we are going to be introduced to an entirely brand new situation in the Star Wars universe, and I think that's pretty exciting stuff. All right, that is going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Tomorrow, I will be coming back at you from Sweet Home, New Hampshire, and I'm very excited about that, getting back to see the family. So from here in Novi, Michigan, thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you activate the carbon freezing chamber, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7x7. It's most impressive, and it's destiny unleashed. not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.